Avengers! My side, it went from five to one. <laughs> oh, geez, that's probably my hotel internet. And welcome back to another episode of Talking Smack, where we talk superheroes, movies, animation, and comics. I'm your host, Josh Scar, and welcome to this would be what season three of me tempting fate with hotel yeah. internet. It's good that you're keeping up with the Ted Lasso theme of you're on season three of internet. It's <laughs> on season three of releasing episodes. Oh, hey, yeah. And for those of you that, that aren't aware, which I mean, it's all part of the same feed, so you should be aware that uh, Joey Fitzgerald from the, the Game Club Pod and I have started a, a weekly Ted Lasso podcast called Talking Lasso, where we talk the most recent episode of Ted Lasso and where we think this final season's going. But that's not what we're here to do today. Today, I am here with Alex, as you heard. Alex, how you doing? Good. Uh, just got back from my younger sister's wedding, and it was a good time. It's kind of weird that um, after moving out when I was around 20 or so, you know, I, I, I've been to their high school and college graduations and stuff like that. But now it's like, oh, yeah, they're getting married. I did that, too. <laughs> <laughs> they're actually committing their lives to other people. This is, you know, this is interesting. <laughs> Why am I weirdly emotional? <laughs> it's really weird to, to think that we're married and at least you've got fur babies. I've got kids and fur babies. And like, we know people with kids and it's, it's just a weird situation to be in when you're like, I'm not that old. And then you look around and you're like, Holy fuck. I'm old. Yeah, Like my, both of my sisters are getting married this year and they are both in, and there will both be in their thirties this year, which then makes me realize if they're in their thirties, that means I'm in my late thirties. <laughs> Yeah, I start my late 30s this year. Uh, I'll be turning 38, so I'm no longer in my mid 30s, and that's 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 no, no fun. Um, I'm still yeah, a young man. It, though it is good to know that of all the weddings I've been to over the past many years, um, Cupid Shuffle is still a, a thing that gets everyone on the dance floor. <laughs> Speaking of dances, I was at the the Maverick Saloon in. Uh, Santa Inez, California last night, which I guess is like a semi-famous bar. Like Kenny Chesney cut his hmm. teeth there and Taylor Swift performed there once. Uh, it's a big country bar, which I'm not a country music fan, but it's cool to be in a place where like these future superstars cut their teeth. And uh, apparently it's also known as like the bar that inspired Roadhouse or like one of the bars that inspired Roadhouse. I was just watching Roadhouse last night. <laughs> <laughs> Roadhouse. <laughs> So what is that like being in a saloon like that? It's, I, I don't know. I've never been a bar hopping person, uh, but it, it was interesting. And uh, again, I'm not a country person. So me walking around in my Superman shirt while everyone else <laughs> is wearing like chaps and riding up horses and stuff, just really, really weird experience for me. But I was with some locals. So I, I was like, okay, I'm just going to. Make sure I'm just tucked away in here so none of them like, hey, you one of them nerds we heard all about. Although that, that's more Texas than California. The California Cowboys are pretty chill, honestly. So looking up this Maverick Saloon, 
the first picture is of a bunch of people on horseback being served beer at the bar. Yep. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the local that I'm here with, uh, he showed us how like the entire exterior fencing area has posts with, uh, notches on them so that people can tie up their horses if they want to come in, have a drink and just chill out and let their horses just sit and enjoy life while they have beer. Okay. I must ask you, did you try any wine while you were there? Cause they have a wine selection. <laughs> Yeah, I'm in I'm in the heart of some wine country here, and no, I, I should have tried some wine, but I stuck with my gin and tonic. All right, so speaking of old men pretending to be young, uh, going back to a previous talking point, we are here to, this week to talk about Shazam! Fury of the Gods, as well as Dungeons & Dragons Honor Among Thieves, which we'll cover that one second, because that is mm-hmm. technically not out yet. Alex and I got to go see uh, an advanced screening uh, for Amazon here. Prime members. But before we do any of that, we are going to hear from our buddy Caesar and his team over at the No on 15 Allcast. We will be right back. No on 15. No on 15. No on 15. No on 15. So, what's our show about? It's about some dudes talking about movies, just like this. With Goofy screaming with the. So, so, like, so you're talking that they should have replaced it like with a Tom and Jerry scream or something like that? <laughs> or you might hear something like this. Oh just, my gosh. That whole movie waiting to see what happens with Blanca is like the most aggravating thing in that film. <laughs> but for the most part, we talk movies from the 80s, 90s, and today. And if you grace us with your ear time, you might hear one of these 30 second gems like this. Yeah, I was going to say, I did, did not get a chance it? to watch this one this week. <laughs> give it to him anyways. Let we're going to give it to you anyway. I'm going to give you the 30-second review of uh, Tron Uprising. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Start the clock. And then... So give us a shot and listen to the No on 15 Allcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. No on 15! And we are back. <laughs> Uh, just tell, filling in Alex a, a few more things about the uh, the Maverick, which apparently it's it's a tradition to tack a, a dollar onto the wall for your first visit, which I don't carry cash on me because I'm traveling all across the country. So I didn't get to, to partake in that tradition. But also money's tight. I'm keeping my fucking dollar. I don't have that kind of luxury. <laughs> yeah, but I we are just very funny. Uh, I'll share pictures on our social media as well. So you guys can see the the dollar bills tacked to the the ceiling and the walls of the Maverick. Um, But we're here to start talking this week about Shazam Fury of the Gods released on March 17th to minimal fanfare, I guess we'll say. Uh, It kind of had a, I feel like it had a similar launch to the original one. It's dead on arrival. It, no one just no one cares about this because they're just waiting for July 2025 when they reboot all this or they're waiting for the flash who knows this movie doesn't seem to have any momentum behind it e- even in the press or anything like that um, in terms of like I knew it was coming out because you know we're we're, we're geeks and stuff like that but like reading some forums and other stuff and talk and lo- looking around, it doesn't. It seems like maybe they cut their marketing budget in half or something, because a lot of people are like, "Oh, I thought that was coming out in May," or "Oh, this is already this released this weekend. I guess I'll try to make time for it." It's, it almost seems like they 
dumped it without officially declaring like the average writing this off. It, it kind of <laughs> got the strange world treatment. Yeah. Where they just decided, um, this is the window we're going to release it and we'll do what we're contractually obligated to do to push this movie out. But overall, yeah, it just, I think after the bombing of Shazam or not Shazam, black Adam and, uh, with discovery cutting every penny they can, they just were like, we'll, we'll do what we are legally required to do. And then this is just going to fade away. So you did see it opening weekend. I did not, the timing didn't work out between my D and D games and seeing the D and D movie. And then I just, you know, I'm seeing John wick. My, uh, my sister had a wedding. I'm, probably i'm i'm debating do i want to see air or super mario brothers this coming weekend the weekend after that i'm definitely seeing renfield and then we have evil dead that i'm going to go see i tend not to see two or three movies in a week just because i just don't have the time and going out is exhausting so yeah i'm not seeing shazam (laughs) unless you give me some kind of ringing endorsement of why i should go and see this movie I I can't say that I would give it a ringing endorsement. Um, I don't even know. I'm I'm still debating on what my my actual review rating is going to be for this movie because like I do think it is still fun. I, it's not as fun as what Black Adam was because that right. was just like a bombastic action movie. But I think the writing is better in this one. It's like it it ebbs and flows with a character arc where Black Adam was just like, okay, I see where this is going, and we're just gonna hit the same beat until that point where the character arc goes, okay. All right, the first movie, I was surprised by it. Um, I didn't know a whole lot about Shazam. This I'm not as my knowledge isn't as deep with the DC characters, and I was and I but I like Zachary Levi, and I was pleasantly surprised by there was a lot of heart. There's a lot of joy, but there was a hell of a lot of random darkness in the movie. Mm-hmm. The stuff about it turning out his mom purposely abandoned him because she was just like, yeah, I just didn't want a kid. <laughs> I was like 19. I didn't forget you. Some of the, the creature effects of like, especially that boardroom scene where mm-hmm. all the creatures start like ripping people apart. But there was a lot of heart and fun in there where it seemed like Yes, if I was a teenager pretending to be an adult superhero, this is where I would be. And I would be joyful and excited about, oh my gosh, I am a superhero in these moments. I feel strong and yeah, oh, I can make money doing this. Yes, I'll do little tricks for like 10 bucks. (laughs) Is any of that still there? Because the trailers seem kind of just morose this one is more about billy not knowing where he's going towards the end of the first 20 minutes of the film we realize that billy's going to be turning 18 and leaving the foster Mm. care system the movie does a really bad job of carrying that arc through and showing us that billy is concerned about this they they bring it up once because mary is now out of the system she's uh, trying to go to college but being part of the shazam family Billy's trying to like keep everyone occupied and keep them together because he has abandonment issues, which again, never really discussed, just comes up like once or twice and then is resolved by the end of the movie. But Mary's trying to go off to college, but she's, she can't because Billy's trying to occupy their time from there. It, it's really Billy is just Shazam for like 80% of the movie. Oh, and he's, wow. he's really only, uh, we only ever really see Asher angel as Billy, Billy Batson, when he's like transitioning into something 
So like the movie opens with him as Zachary Levi as Shazam, where we see that therapist scene with him at a pediatrician's office. And then there's uh, an attack on a bridge so that he, or he goes home. He's Billy at that point. And then they find out that there's a bridge collapsing in Philadelphia. And so they Shazam up and they go and save the bridge. But we find out they're still bad at doing their jobs. And they're called like the Philadelphia fiascos or something like that. It's been what, four, five years between the first? In continuity of the movie, it's been two years. Okay, so so they are compressing it a little bit that they're, they're not doing the whole Tom Holland thing where it's been three years between Spider-Man movies, but it's only been like two days. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty yeah. much. And then a year passes through the course of it like a Harry Potter movie. Yes. Um, so it's been two. So it's only been two years that they're Shazamming it up. Yes. But, but they're still crap at their jobs. <laughs> yes. Okay. The, the main antagonists of the film, uh, Helen Mirren and uh, Lucy Liu as Hespera and Calypso, Daughters of Atlas, which we will get into spoilers because there is more to do with the Daughters of Atlas. They're fine. I, I really, there was never anything that they did that I was like, oh, that's cool. It, I think that's where this movie really suffers is the fact that the villains clearly just feel like they're stand-ins for what they wanted to do with black Adam. If they could get him into the movie, like they're threatening in a way, but not really. And their motivations are weird because like the reason they haven't come into the DC universe before is because the wizard played by Jaiman Hinsu had a barrier put in place to keep them locked away in their Mount Olympus, I guess is what it's supposed to be. They never really call it anything. So once the wizard dies, the barrier comes down And uh, in the course of the events of Shazam, when he broke the wizard's staff to kind of take power away from Dr. Silvana, that allowed them to come between dimensions as well. Like that was the final barrier to keep them out. And uh, so there's this really weird moment later in the movie where they're like, you broke the staff and that allowed these people to come through. And he's like, how the fuck was I supposed to know that? Which is completely valid. So before we start getting to spoilers, I guess Marvel is now, you know, basically it's a progressive football. Every single movie now is basically like we're slowly carrying the ball forward to get to an eventual other end game. Is it obvious that that this was meant to carry the ball forward to the next thing? This one was pretty from the edit we have. It, it was pretty well standalone until you get to a post credit scene, which I, I am curious what the the post credit scene means going forward because James Gunn has said that the Flash movie will reset the DC universe. So I'm wondering if that uh, post credit scene was just there to be a post credit scene that they filmed and they're not going to waste money by not putting it in there, which I'll get into that in spoilers because I mean, it's not really a spoiler. We see a couple of people from the Peacemaker show, which I haven't watched, uh, but it's James Gunn's wife and the bearded dude that's like, I'm a tech nerd. I hate physical activity. Oh, yeah. Um, They're walking up talking about Shazam clearly. And they're like, hey, do you want to join the Justice? And he's like, yes, yes, totally want to join the Justice League and like uh, the Justice Society. And he's like, oh, um, why would you call it the Justice Society? Because there's already a Justice League. So it's kind of misleading when you say you want to join the Justice something, Uh, (laughs) which that there's a pretty good bit in there because he like pulls out his phone and he's like, look, I'm I'm at the thesaurus. Uh, You have the the vengeance society you have the avenger society ooh i like that for some reason 
which I thought that was a great, <laughs> I thought that was a great line. That was actually a, one that got a good laugh out of me. So before we go into spoilers, I'm going to say it's, it's a pass. I <gasps> just talking about it more. I think there's some fun stuff in it, but overall, I think the story is so hit and miss. Mm. And a lot of the, a lot of the beats are like, Oh, okay. Something's up with this person. Like, obviously the dialogue is still fun, but the, the action and the family drama just doesn't, there's not enough substance to it because I think they felt like they needed to give Zachary Levi more screen time. Well, that's unfortunate. I really like the first one. And if he actually was like, no, it's actually good. Alex, I would be like, all right, fine. I'll, I'll, I'll figure out, I'll figure out a place to go see it. Once it goes to HBO max, I think then you can take two and a half hours of your day and be like, okay, yeah, that was, I think that was fine for a, a Sunday afternoon where I have nothing better to do. All right. So let's go to spoilers. We talked back and forth a bit about the trailer and basically does the trailer spoil how the movie's going to go? You know, they're all going to slowly lose their powers and Shazam's going to have to do something and doubt himself because he's like, take them back to the, um, to the wizard and all that stuff. And having read the wiki write up, it seems like that's kind of the plot. Yep. Pretty much. Um, the, the big twist is that, uh, Rachel Ziegler is the third daughter of Atlas. She plays, uh, Antia. And right from the moment she shows up, you're like, something's up with her because she zones in on Freddie played by Jack Dylan Grazer, who he's still the heart and soul of this movie. Like say what you will about Zachary Levi, Jack mm-hmm. Dylan Grazer is just fantastic in these movies. He's, he's so much fun and he, he plays the role real well. Overall, I, I think Freddie was another high point in this movie. He's, he's kind of having a little bit of a, he wants to go off and do his own thing. He calls himself Captain Every Power because now <laughs> now everyone in the Shazam family can uh, can basically just do the Shazam thing. And uh, he, he wants to go off and do his own thing. But they've made like this pact amongst the foster kids that uh, they, they either all join in on Shazamming or none of them do. But Freddie Freddy kind of wants to just be able to do his own thing, have his own time. And it, it's perfectly understandable. Like he's a teenager and all that. But uh Rachel Ziegler shows up. She like zeroes in on Freddie right away and they have this really fun meet cute. She's just asking him all these questions like, oh, do you really know these superheroes? Did, is this really is a thing? And it's like, OK, obviously she's setting him up for something. Then you find out that she's the third daughter of Atlas. Um, mm. But she's she's the one that gets a redemption arc. Uh, OK. And then uh, at the end of the movie, she has her power. Uh, she has her powers taken away for a short bit of time. Then she come, she gets them back. But she's going to hang out in the human world and kind of learn about society. Kind of like a, a Wonder Woman sort of thing. Hmm. But the, the main conflict is um, Lucy Liu's character, who is like a daughter of chaos. She decides that she's going to plant the, the golden apple, the Adam and Eve apple, and mm-hmm. uh, plant it in the the human realm which makes it grow poorly and it creates a bunch of uh god of war villains like it, it looks like they just mm-hmm. took these things right out of god of war uh, you got harpy cyclops minotaurs uh and there's some like evil unicorns as well <laughs> evil unicorns evil unicorns because uh they they make a point to show off that darla is very very into unicorns and uh at the at some point in the movie, they find out that the only thing these mythical beasts are afraid of are unicorns. 
And uh, Darla's like, I love unicorns. And the wizard who is now free from his prison with the daughters of Atlas, which they never really explain how the wizard is back. He's just like, huh, I wish I could tell you. You can't. <laughs> Okay, I guess we're just moving on. Uh, but there's some, there's really, really bad product placement. Like, you remember how people got pissed off at the Power Rangers movie for the Krispy Kreme subplot? Oh, yeah. So yep. the unicorns, they Mm-mm. there's they set it up early in the movie, which again, props to them for just setting up the joke. Uh, but Darla wanting to cheer up Mary threw some Skittles in Mary's pockets uh and then mary did some laundry and now her pants are all like rainbowy because the skittles die ran uh and at the end of the movie they find out that the unicorns need sweets to be enticed to be good or to to work with people and so darla having all these skittles on her just holds out her hand with some skittles as a unicorn's charging at her and she just goes taste the rainbow are you <laughs> <laughs> okay if they they since they set it up that could be really funny. It, 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 that was okay. a good gag. Like I said, the okay. writing is solid for most of this. Uh, I just think right. the main story beats that they're going for with like Billy being concerned about uh, aging out of the foster care system and his foster parents kicking him out. They don't yeah. do enough of that. Like that's where this movie really could have found its heart, but they were too busy letting Zachary Levi riff. Some people had complained that Zachary Levi didn't do enough to act, act like his younger self in the first movie. And then they're like, and it got even worse this movie, but that actually never bothered me. Cause this is actually something I didn't like about the Netflix, um, she show. And this is something my wife pointed out to me. A lot of these shows like he man, she um, Shazam as a child to feel empowered. You want to be big. You want to be an adult. Having Shira just be like a nine nine foot version of herself, but not an adult, didn't really work for my wife, because she was like, "No, I want to be a tall. You're a child. I want to be a tall, powerful adult who can do my own things, not just a taller, geekier version of myself." That's a criticism that I actually didn't buy from the first one, because if I was a child who just suddenly became a full on adult, like you know, the movie Big, yeah, completely different actor, you're gonna you're still gonna have mannerisms the ability within yourself to be like, I am now an adult, but I'm still a kid and this is great. And I get to act. I, 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 my, the restraints are off. I can, I'm an adult. People are gonna take me seriously no matter how I act. So that didn't bother me for this one, uh, for the first movie, but I heard it's a l- even worse in the second. Yeah. I, I can agree with that on this one, especially, I think the first one is a little justified because yeah, he's excited. He's got superhero powers. I never felt that disconnect same as you in the first one. Uh, but in the second one, like I said, there's there's a disconnect between what Freddy's go or not Freddy uh, Billy is going through with his fear of being kicked out because, uh, like I said, Mary's talking about how she needs to get a job. She wants to go to school. The the foster parents are just like running paycheck to paycheck to try and feed everyone. And if once they turn eighteen, they're no longer getting the checks from the foster care system. Right. So it's it's loss of income for them so like once billy turns 18 is he going to get kicked out because they can't afford to feed him but that only comes up three times wow all right so the the last thing i just want to know about about this movie is since it already got spoiled in one of the trailers it, it is wonder woman basically just the equivalent of the of the henry cavall not cameo in the first one or does she actually have like a substantial role no, she definitely doesn't have a substantial role. She has an important role, but it's not substantial. Uh, so there's a running gag with 
Billy Shazam that he has a big crush on Wonder Woman, and I guess he's met her at least once. Okay. And he has a dream where he he and Wonder Woman are having a conversation about making their relationship public and serious. In this dream, like they they never show her face, so you're like, oh, it's it's like the Superman thing. Right, they couldn't right, get her. Yeah. And then when they finally show her face, it's the wizard. He's like invaded Billy's dream to be like, hey, you're an idiot. You did this thing. So that that was funny. And then at the very end of the movie, which again, we're in spoilers. So through the fight with the dragon and Calypso, Shazam dies because he has to like overcharge the the crystal and the wizard's staff. And that causes him to die because the explosion and it, it they they really try to play it up like the death of Superman and Batman V Superman. Like the imagery is almost identical other than there's lightning going on. But at the very end of the movie, uh, they're like, Oh, we can't resurrect him because the staff has no charge anymore. And we need the power of the gods to do it. But Antia's powers have been taken by Calypso. And so there, there are no more Greek gods that can charge the staff. And then we, Ah. God, we, I hate the wonder woman riff so much. It is not the guitar. She so they're like, oh, man, it's such a somber moment. I'm like, it's not heroic. It's not good. Don't put that in my ears. It's not something I want to hear right now. (laughs) And Uh. Wonder Woman shows up and it's Gal Gadot, but she's very clearly filmed on a separate set in a separate place. And they just green screened her or volumed her into the same space. And right. she's like, not all the gods are dead. I'm a demigod. <laughs> like, that, 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 that's not the same thing. You know that, right? But she recharges the staff and they resurrect Billy. And uh, that's kind of it. And then we get the post credits scene where he gets recruited into the Justice Society. And then there's the final credits where they bring back Mr. Mind, Mark Strong as Dr. Silvana. And it's a really funny bit in that one too where uh mr mind is like hey i'm almost ready mark strong's like it's been two years what are you what am i supposed to be doing in here and he's like i just need one more mr mind's like i need one more thing and then he just scurries away (laughs) it's like oh you're never gonna get to pay this off are you that sounds miserable (laughs) okay not miserable that just doesn't sound it's it, it has its moments but overall it's it's just I don't think it's as fun as Black right. Adam, which Black Adam, again, I, I think story wise, it's not good, but it's fun. Like, a, like, a, it's a fun, bad movie where this one is like, it's almost like DC Titans to me where you see the potential in it, but it never quite quite gets there. But this one, I think they like get the characterizations right. It's just that the story yeah. has been cut to shreds because they did have so many beats in it. Let's go to a movie. That I actually saw. All right. Well, uh, as the D&D man, I think you should lead on in this one. D&D Honor Among Thieves is the fourth movie in the D&D universe. A complete reboot. <laughs> you haven't seen e- e- any of the previous ones, have you? Uh, no, but I did recently watch the Mr. Sunday movies, Caravan of Garbage, for it. And thank God I never saw those movies. Those dragon effects are so bad. Like, I remember people getting mad about Dragonheart. And I'm like, Dragonheart, Dragonheart looks like Avatar compared to this. Dragonheart holds up, kind of. I'm not, no, I'm just, I, I, I liked Dragonheart as a kid. I'm saying people complained about the effects in Dragonheart. And I'm like, that thing looks amazing compared to what that D, that first D&D movie was. Yeah. So, yeah, the first one is, 
they tried they tried to like mummy it they tried to do something with it i mean it actually got a theatrical release it had marlon waynes thor birch um jeremy irons you know hot really hot names in the late 90s early 2000s and it was just not great the second one was a uh, five years later was direct to video the third one was seven years later and wasn't it like a sci-fi exclusive it might have been direct to sci-fi now the third one i actually do kind of love because it has a scene in it that is so bad they go into a magic shop and they're like, okay, cool. I'll take the handbag of holding. I'll I'll take a, that sword, but I want to add Vorpal to it. But this is truly a big budget movie. Yes, and you yeah. you can kind of see that. Um, I I will say again to reiterate, like we said at the start of the episode, uh, this movie is not officially released yet. It comes out uh this coming Friday, March thirty first. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we got to see the movie early through Amazon Prime um, mm-hmm. and the review embargo is lifted. So if you want to, we we will do the non-spoiler spoilers. Yep. Uh, so if you want to cut out early after the, the non-spoiler portion of the review, I, I hope you enjoy it. But yeah, so where I came in with this as someone who hasn't really partake in any D&D sort of stuff is you see the trailers and you're like, oh, this looks like guardians of the galaxy which there is a guardians of the galaxy joke i'm going to come back to uh in spoilers as i was sitting in the the theater waiting for the screening to start which the advanced screenings were so nice i'm going off on a tangent but the advanced screenings were so nice there were only three trailers ahead of it and they were all paramount properties oh was... my gosh that was so nice. <laughs> but we still had to sit through nicole kidman and but I, as I watched the the like pre-roll where uh, before they had the whole like, oh, you guys are the real heroes for coming to the movie theaters. Mm-hmm. Um, the I was like, OK, don't don't put Guardians of the Galaxy as your example. What's what's another way to look at this movie? And I saw the pre-roll and I'm like, let's let's put this in the, in the context of the Ju- the new Jumanji games or movies. Mm. And let's let's just say it's what happens when the NPCs just live in the world. Yeah. And, and I, I think that was a really good mindset to go into this instead of expecting like Guardians of the Galaxy. The theater was maybe about half full, which is kind of nice. I saw a lot of geeky shirts. So there were the three trailers were three Paramount properties, and they were also short. They're mm-hmm. only like the 90 second versions, which was really nice. But there was like a bumper for our, for our showing. There was like um, a brief like, hey, welcome to AMC exclusive showing. And then there was a trailer for some religious convention that's going to be exclusive. <laughs> it's like it's an Adam event. That's what it is because it was an Adam event, Amazon Prime early showing. And it's going to be like April 4th or 5th, 12th, 13th, something like that. And it was about like, you know, like finding God again, casting out demons kind of stuff. And the trailer ended, and my friend who was next to me said very loudly, "They don't know their audience." <laughs> we all I was laughed. Just, I was just thinking, like, yeah, this is this is something to put in front of D and D. Yeah, and we laughed. The few people in the, in the other rows kind of chuckled. Someone else is like, "That was weird." <laughs> and I'm like, "This seems like the wrong audience, especially since in the '80s, playing Dungeons and Dragons meant you were summoning the devil." And of course, growing up in the um, in the '80s, '90s, as I did, um, my mom was very religious. I wasn't allowed to play Dungeons and Dragons for a long time. Was it Detroit Rock City, where like you know what Kiss stands mm-hmm. for? Knights in Satan's service. 
Like, yeah. shut up. <laughs> the satanic panic era. <laughs> yep. But it was nice to just get the little pre-bumper thing, you know, just a few trailers and right into the movie. So D&D, let's, let's get into the D&D. We're... <laughs> All right, so this is the non-spoiler section because I have a I have a lot of notes for the spoiler section. <laughs> but what is your take on it? Because you've played what like once you mentioned, I, and you bought the books for your friend. Yeah, we my friends Jason, uh, Matt, who does the podcast with us, and I we we pulled our money together and bought like three books, and we played once. We got through our character design, and we. We started a session and then it just got so late that we just were like, okay, we'll pick it up another time. And then he joined the air force and moved to Ohio. <laughs> so like my, my main exposure to D and D is like the Gary Gygax appearances in uh, Futurama and mm-hmm. just offhanded D and D episodes of like community community and stuff where yeah, uh, yeah they, they just like, they, and I, I like the community episode of D and D where they actually they they give it credit it's not just like oh look at this nerdy thing when big bang theory would occasionally like mention um i'm gonna ask you to bleep that name out we don't talk about that show here (laughs) okay there was a there was a different (laughs) geeky show that would try to like do lip service to uh to games and they never did it right and it ticked me off so much because it was obvious the people who wrote the show were only surfacely aware of something enough to try to get gag, gag jokes out of it versus the community episode, which had reverence for the game and was obvious that they play because of the silly stuff they were doing and they're having their characters do. Um, another one that does it really well is the IT crowd. The IT crowd has a D&D episode, which is just fantastic. It's And for the IT crowd one... Jen, uh, Jen organizes a D&D game for like these businessmen who are coming from out of town, but she, but she's supposed to be like setting things up like, oh yeah, you're supposed to take them to strip clubs and you're supposed to take them to bars. And you're supposed to wine and dine them. And she ends up not knowing how to do it. So she ends up getting them organized into a D&D game. And then at the end of the game, the guys are like, that was incredible. I now have the <laughs> staff of whatever. <laughs> you know, these super uptight businessmen are like, yeah, that was an emotional journey. I wasn't prepared for. <laughs> All right. So sorry. I interrupted you. No, it's, no, it's fine. Um, so I, at least from the start of this movie, I thought that um, we were just going to get narration throughout because through the trailers, you're like, okay, I think I see where the setup is going through this opening sequence. But overall, uh, just, to kind of keep this in, in non-spoilers, because it's like we said, this isn't officially released yet. I really appreciated some of like the practical effects and they they just leaned into the campiness of a lot of this stuff where they didn't like have just a, a guy with a tennis ball on his head and they CGI'd a bunch of stuff onto it. They really yeah. went uh like old school they went Mandalorian with it where they're like, let's let's lean more into practical effects where we can. And uh I thought that that really led it led into the charm of the movie. Um, the one thing I will say is that there is a guardians of the galaxy kind of comparison that you can make where, uh, Michelle Rodriguez's character, Holga, you're like, Oh, she's Drax. But then the movie introduces Drax. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I thought there was a lot of, you said charm. I agree. There's some, there's some charm to it. I think a lot of the charm 
is Hugh Grant, Chris Pine, and Michelle Rodriguez just owning the roles. That I think is a lot of its of a lot of its charm because they I haven't seen Michelle Rodriguez like have a fun like time with a role like this in a long time. Um, she's been kind of stereotyped of I'm the tough chick in all the uh, Fast and Furious movies. And you see some of that with some of the other roles that she's had. But she actually seemed to enjoy what she was doing. And she played really well off of everyone. I really like, and I like that they gave her a substantial role that was tied to the Chris Pine storyline. But she wasn't the romantic interest. Because I was thinking that, I was starting to pair it up like, okay, they're going to end up together in the movie. They're going to hit him. Yeah. They, they, they have a brother sister relationship that they establish pretty quickly and it Mm -hmm. never evolves to anything more than that. And I, I, I appreciated that a lot too. Yeah. I really liked that. Um, Hugh Grant ate scenery every time he appeared. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and there was enough geeky references, enough references for me that made me uh, happy. There's quibbles. I have a lot of quibbles with the movie, just in term in general. But they name drop Baldur's Gate. They, uh, um, they, you know, we spend a lot of time in Neverwinter. They don't explain why it's never called Neverwinter, but that's that's something. Yeah, Baldur's Gate uh, got a, a lot of name drops, and I was like, I know that word. Okay. Mordenkai was was name dropped. Um, they went to the Underdark briefly. That gets name dropped. Um, there's a lot of little things that were that was just like, oh yeah, yeah, that's cool. Especially I okay, this is super geeky, but there is a it's a heist film, as the trailers show you, and the high and it's locked by something called Mordenkind's lock. And Mordenkind is I believe is it is it Gygax or Ed Greenwood? One of them basically made this NPC. So a lot there's actually a lot of spells that are called Mordenkind's this. Okay. Uh, in the game so i'm like oh and they're all like higher end spells so i'm like oh that's a powerful spell then and locks in that and they're like oh this is a powerful spell we can only do it with this and i'm like yes that's true <laughs> <laughs> so it was, just, it was just i liked it i i i it was breezy it was fun and i i liked it you know yes yeah, so we we've got like 10 minutes before we hit the hour mark so let's um oh pre, wow. pre-edit so Let's uh let's jump into spoilers, but we'll give our, our ratings here. Uh, I'm gonna say it's a must see. I think it's a lot of fun. I am planning on seeing it again once I'm back home with Ricky. So I this is definitely a must see for me. Yeah, I will be sending a message to Beppo saying she needs to see it. It's a must see. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's jump into spoilers. Um, before we we move on into story beats uh, with spoilers, there were two jump scares in this that just pissed me off because this <laughs> is not that kind of fucking movie. Okay, one of them got that got me. It was the grave scene, yeah. Yeah, the, the yeah. Red wizards. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, yeah. the the grave scene where um, they they they're waking waking the dead, which that entire scene is great, but it starts off in a way that pissed me off because I'm like, this isn't that kind of fucking movie. Stop trying to scare me. And and where the first uh, fallen oh, where the first guy that they wake up, you you get the loud screech and you think like, Oh, he's going to be evil or something. And like, Oh no, he's, he's, he's like, he's like Korg in Thor. Mm-hmm. He's just like, Oh, Hey, Hey guys, how's it going? Oh yeah. So that was the one that got me. That one just made me laugh. Cause I expected it. I, I wasn't expecting the, the like shock of, I was expecting him to be like, Oh, but I wasn't expecting like the jump scares, like just yeah. amplified volume. 
And then the the other jump scare that got me was the uh, in the labyrinth with the the panther octopus thing. Uh, they they tried to do a quick like turn the corner and there's the thing and I'm like ah. Oh, see, th- yeah, that was a displacer beast. The one that I jumped was uh, when the red wizards are doing their th- uh, doing the ritual during the, during the flashback of like whatever happened with um in Thay. And it's all the mist and stuff is flowing everywhere, and like the when they the um the paladins running, and all of a sudden oh, yeah. like three of them burst forth from the fog. That's got me. I mean, I knew it was coming. It's coming. They always do this shit, but it was so sudden. And then you have like the zombie-ish makeup and like the you know and and stuff. And just, I was like, I literally jumped, and my wife would start giggling. And I'm like, shut up. <laughs> yeah, see, that one, I I I don't think I, I that one got me, but I I understood the context of that one. Yeah. Where the, they it was jokes, jokes, jokes in the grave scene, and then out of nowhere, it's like jump scare. I'm like, oh fuck you. Yeah. So let, let's get into some of your quibbles and uh, other things within the spoilers here. Okay, so one of my quibbles is, oh my god, the the tabaxi looked horrible and scared the shit out of me. <laughs> the, uh, the, so, cat people. the yes, the, those are for those that don't know. If you want to know what a tabaxi is, look at our thumbnail. Alex is a tabaxi. Yes, it it looked like they took like an animatronic like leopard and just made it stand up. And it's like <laughs> it, and the facial expressions were wrong. I, I, I found that just charming because, again, it, it felt kind of like going back to an 80s Willow Star Wars. OK, um, I, I took it more as that, like it, it was just like a charming throwback to practical effects, Henson House sort of animatronics okay i can see that but um the arrow coker i thought was pretty good the the bird judge yes <laughs> yes jonathan yeah yeah is jonathan gonna be here he's really important <laughs> to my story um the dragonborn effects were good um you saw a few of those um the so my main quibble lies in within two things one is that somebody ran out of money for CGI because there were moments that looked beautiful that looked actually really well. But then this prolonged chase sequence with the Druid shapeshifter, which they just call, um, her name's what Sophia Lillis. She is, um, one of the main children from the it chapter one, chapter uh, two. Doric Doric. Yeah. They call Doris. Yeah. Her name's Doric in this, uh, she's a tiefling. That chase sequence didn't work for me because the CGI between things was so weirdly done. It was obvious it was all filmed separately. Like, yeah, we're just going to put this all in, in the camera, in in, uh, in a computer program, and just make this chase sequence happen. Because she was changing from like the fly to the mouse, the cat to the bird to deer to you know, it's and it was and it was cut to be a one or two, which I, I thought that was that was cool. But yeah, it definitely the quality of that shot definitely uh, did yeah. not hold up to everything else in the film. No. My other minor quibble is uh, tieflings are supposed to be red and have long tails. They did show she had the tail, but tieflings do not look adorable. <laughs> <laughs> tieflings are supposed to look like demons because they are. <laughs> Ooh. They are the spawn of demons. Tieflings, you look more like a fawn, <laughs> but you're cute. So what's wrong with this? <laughs> yeah, I, I, you're I... obviously the love interest of the other younger person in this show. Because <laughs> we need a, a, a love interest story. But yeah. I, th- I thought that one worked like they they didn't force it and it, yeah. it set up the character arc really well for was it Simon played mm-hmm. by Justice Smith? Yeah, uh, I, I thought that was pretty well set up. 
Yeah, I thought she looked more like uh, Rayla from the Dragon Prince than mm-hmm. anything else. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It it worked for me, but I also didn't have a ref- point of reference for what the Tieflings are supposed to be. I could minorly nitpick this as a D&D fan all day, but, the, but I don't want to. That's the thing is, like, I don't need I didn't need this movie to be good. And I don't think necessarily objectively it's good. I needed it to be fun and not to be talking down to the audience. That is what I wanted. And that is what I got. Um, and one thing I think they do really well is they, they don't name drop everything. Like we've talked about in the past where you, you have the, the nerd moment where like in Godzilla versus Kong, like, Oh man, they built a robot Godzilla. No, that's Mecha Godzilla. Yeah. But like, Oh, Hey, look, it's black Falcon. Oh no, that's captain America. Like, no. Okay. We get it. Where this one, like they, what is it called? The, where it's the, the treasure chest. That's actually a monster mimic. Yeah. The mimic where they didn't go, Oh man, it's a mimic. Like they, they didn't name drop everything. And so I thought that was really appreciative. Like they, they did enough to be like, Oh, maybe I should look into this D and D thing. Find out what this leopard octopus thing is and find out what these things are. Why, who are these cat people? Uh, So I thought that was really good. Yeah, there was um, like there's the displacer beasts is the thing that was chasing them through the maze, and they did it really well. Like displacer beasts are difficult to hit in D and D because you're never sure where they are, because you see two to three at a time, and they played with the rules of that. Like typical, what what it's in theory by the rules of the most modern version of the game, is that you see it right in front of you, but it's shimmering. So you're not sure where it is. There's a 50% chance you're not going to hit it. You have to like, you know, roll to hit it. Okay, you would hit it and then roll the die. Oh, you actually missed. No, because you need to hit the right number. But this, I actually liked that they played with it, that it actually puts additional projections out there so it can loop you and trick you. Mm-hmm. Like it got with you, with the jumps. <laughs> yes. Yeah, the gelatinous cube that they leap into at one point. I actually thought that was super clever, her playing to get them out of it. I thought that was really cleverly done. Uh, you know, she sticks her finger out of it so she can crawl out of it, shape change and crawl out and then pull them all out. That was fun. The staff of Hither and Thither, um, as far as I'm aware, that's actually not a magical item, but I understand the point of the item. Yeah, they introduced a portal gun. <laughs> yeah, they introduced a portal gun, and but then they also introduced limitations. You have to be within 500 yards for it to actually mm-hmm. work. That actually, so that part, that heist setup for that part Actually, that was the best part of the movie. Yes. Yeah. Amazing. They they played within the rules of what they were doing. They they put had stakes to it they, that you saw what was going on. I loved that entire heist sequence of like we're going we're planning this we're going into it. This is how we get into the vault. That perfect. Mm-hmm. They played it up real well because I, I like the fact that they were like, yeah, they're going to stop people from taking stuff out, but what about putting stuff in? exactly yeah that's something we haven't really seen before um so i I teased a a guardians of the galaxy thing i think i'm going to go into that first before i go into a a spoiler question about a nation of zombies that apparently exist in the DD world but i want to get into this this rocket raccoon joke because again people are talking about like oh this feels like guardians of the galaxy but with DD medieval times whatever and so i'm sitting here watching this movie and i'm just like i wonder who the rocket raccoon is and then we we take a little side journey to uh, Holga's uh, old flame. Um, mm-hmm. He opens the door, and uh, I'm not sure what the, the the species that this character is supposed to be, but 
Bradley Cooper opens the door and he's extraordinarily <laughs> short. And I'm like, Rocket Raccoon. Uh, that'd be a halfling. A halfling. Okay. Mm-hmm. So kind of like a hobbit, I'm guessing, but just without the yeah. big hairy feet. So yeah, Bradley Cooper opens the door and he's Rocket Raccoon size. And I'm like, oh my God, they did Rocket Raccoon with Rocket <laughs> Raccoon. So it took me a moment to realize that was Bradley Cooper. I'm like, that kind of looks like Bradley Cooper. And because they made his voice like pitched up slightly because he's shorter. Yep. Uh, and then it, I finally realized, oh my God, it is Bradley Cooper. And I love that ongoing joke that she was in love with this person who left her. And she's like, oh, he painted the shutters and he changed a few things. And then he's dating like a big bulky strong woman you know like she comes in he has a type he has a type (laughs) and at the end of the movie we find out holga has a type (laughs) that's true (laughs) there's one other guardians of the galaxy comparison uh where they do the inverse of the uh now we're all standing up like a bunch of jackasses moment where they all end up sitting next to chris pine before they do the final they land on the heist idea and everyone sits down and then Justice Smith stands up and he's like, I'd, I'd sit down, but there's no more room on the rock. Like that, that's that's the stand up scene from Guardians of the Galaxy where they're like, yeah, we're a team. We're a family. So, yeah, the 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 nation of zombies. Um, mm-hmm. So the world's just OK that these red wizards just completely brainwashed and turned their nation into a, a horde of mindless zombies that do their bidding. So what actually, another thing I, I firmly liked, they actually said, you know, this setting is called the Forgotten Realms. It's it's one of the main set, yeah, one of the main settings. Typically, it's they consider it the default setting for D&D. Um, and they actually mentioned that they're on the Sword Coast, and they actually do that beautiful map shot showing, like, the world as it's set up. They started at the Spine of the World, which is where the prison was way up there and stuff like that. I thought, thought that was lovely. Um, basically, the Red Wizards of Thay are just, at, they're assholes. They use the dark. They use dark magic. They're all about death and destruction. They have like they corrupt unicorns, which turn them into black unicorns, and basically they just have their own. They've carved out part of the world for themselves, and you can't really fight them really well. I mean, a lot of campaigns are we're gonna go fight the red wizards, or the red wizards are intruding within our within our um, within our area, and we have to fight them off. You know, we push them back to their borders that they took over long ago, kind of thing. That's kind of what that is. The so I will say one thing that actually kind of surprised me about the movie is that they didn't really go a lot into random lore of who people because they mentioned the Red Wizards and the Red Wizards serve a particular god and then they don't actually mention like any of the other gods which I kind of find a little odd. A lot of games, you know, it's like okay, you've you know, if you're a cleric, which they um, which by the way, I did love the cleric. Um, <laughs> uh, that's uh, Zank. Yeah, Zank. Uh, I I have a question about him before we wrap up. Oh yeah, I, I they didn't mention like he served a particular person and stuff like that. Some of it felt a little surface, you know, some of the things that happened. But it was still just charming enough that I didn't care. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So yeah, we'll we'll talk about Zank, and then I think we that's a, a good place to wrap up. Played by uh, I don't know if it's supposed to be pronounced Reggie Jean Page or Ray Reggae Jean Page. Uh, he's Bridgerton. So. He's from the realm that uh, the Red Wizards turned into a bunch of zombies and he he got hit by a little bit of the mist. And I guess that turned him into Drax in a way because he doesn't deal in colloquialisms, as he says. <laughs> and uh, I, so I was always just curious, like what the markings meant on his head. Like, was that just 
a thing? Like, is that something that someone as you as a D and D fan understands what's going on with that? Or is it just like, just meant to be a little bit of like a character thing? Like, Hey, he's from these people and it, he wears it as like a, a mark of shame because his nation was taken over by the red wizards. Honestly, I got no clue. Okay. Well, that's disappointing. <laughs> Thanks for nothing, Alex. You're welcome. <laughs> If they had some more time in the Underdark, I could tell you. <laughs> <laughs> it was good to see Baby Sinclair get more work as uh, the pudgy dragon. It was so cute. <laughs> it was so lovely. That dragon ate another dragon. <laughs> I love that they called him out as being pudgy. Uh, Michelle Rodriguez's Holga was like, that is one pudgy dragon. Like, yes, yeah. it is. And we love him. Yeah, I, I like the little wings were trying to flap and it just not freaking... <laughs> He's so fat, he tips the board. <laughs> <laughs> I love that dragon. Oh. So the only, the last thing I will ask is um, one thing that kept running through my mind as I was watching this is I'm like, I wonder how this feels to someone like who would run a campaign. So I know you DM. Is this yeah. something where you feel like this could have been an adventure in a D&D game? Or do you feel more like this is like more of a novelization or alternate storytelling for D&D? Oh, this is an adventure. <laughs> you got betrayed. Yeah, you break out of jail because you got betrayed. That's a that's such a common starting hook. Like there are a few different modules, um, you know, storylines that you you know books you can buy up that run you through a D and D campaign that start off with something like that. Like you're in jail because you got betrayed. Your objective of this, you know, of the campaign is you're going to get person back who got you. They needing to plan a heist to recruit some people because like, hey, I needed somebody to help me with this. Oh, this person has this item I need or something like that. A quick trip to the underworld for some relic that is needed totally within bounds. Um, you find out, of course, you find out a little backstory about your different friends. That like, oh, yeah, I never mentioned. I always had my ex. And like, randomly, we'll just do a brief one-off where you go meet your ex and everyone can go like, you had an ex? <laughs> And then, yeah, you end up in Neverwinter. Uh, you end up in Neverwinter. There's some kind of game going on. You get betrayed. You end up in the game because, of course, you're going to end up in the game. And then, yeah, as you leave, think everything's settled. Actually, you got to go back because something horrible is happening. Do you want to go back or not? Yeah, we're going to go people. We're going to go back and solve it. <laughs> and then, of course, you have the death that does actually doesn't mean anything. <laughs> totally a campaign. Um, so I will ask you, so this ticked me off. There is the death that happens late in the, in the movie that is completely circumvented within three seconds. Did you know yep. that was coming? Like, did you immediately know like, yep. Once they were like, oh yeah, she got washed. Um, I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Cause they, they've more or less established that, um, I don't think this is much of a spoiler, but Chris Pine's motivations throughout most of the movie is to get this tablet that'll resurrect mm -hmm. his dead wife. And the minute that this character got washed, I was like, oh, obviously, because the daughter that they're trying to rescue has never really known yeah. her mother. So resurrecting the mother is kind of a meaningless gesture yeah. to her. But this character it means something to her. Yeah. So we will resurrect them. So I, I think that that was pretty yeah. obvious. Um, it was tell it was. Yeah, I think they they did a good job of not telegraphing that as much because there, I could see there being temptation of having the daughter be like, I don't want mom back. I never right. knew mom, but they, they never did that because I mean, who, who wouldn't want to mm -hmm. know their mom? 
So I, I, I thought that was pretty nice. Yeah, I thought it was. I thought the story was. I, I, I get where they were going with, which you know, this is the family we made kind of thing. Um, they show it because they, you know, uh, Holga and Chris Pine's character had the entire time been together. Um, his his wife died very early on from his mistake. Um, when the child was an infant, and so now she's like ten, twelve, somewhere in there. The mom she's always known has been Holga, and so I thought that was nice. The problem I just had with it was is that. I had no sentimental investment because I, because they literally have the MacGuffin that is going to solve the problem, and so there was never to me a, mm -hmm. a, you know, do I use it? Do I not? Do I use it? Do I not? It, it was obviously like, yeah, you're 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 going to use it, yeah. Yeah. Um, now, before we end, I have one last little nitpick that bothered me. You get the helm of disjunction. You use it, and you show that it knocks out Mordenkainen's uh, arcane lock. It wipes out all apparently magic for a very large radius because you see like all the floating orbs crash to the ground and a bunch of other stuff. And then you immediately reach into your pocket, you pull out your stone of sending, and you which is enchanted, and you immediately call everybody, let you, everyone know you did it. Why is that stone working? <laughs> <laughs> it's an enchanted dance stone. You said it was enchanted to do this, so we have walkie-talkies. <laughs> it doesn't work. You broke it. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. That's I didn't catch on to that uh, one. So when the movie ended, and you know, we stayed through the very last end credit scene, which was funny. Um, wife and I, you know, my group was we're leaving. My wife overheard somebody saying, "You know, it was good. I just wish they would have paid attention to the rules more." And I was like. <laughs> No, <laughs> some of it you got go to got, got to go by a different D and D rule. It's called rule of cool. This is the way it works because it fits. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I um, I had a good time with it. The only thing that I really did not enjoy was the dad explaining everything behind me and uh, basically punchlining the jokes as well. So like he he had his he had his kid with him and so he's like oh that's a tabaxi blah 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 oh that's a that's a thing blah 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 blah, blah. and then whenever there is a joke like uh, in the graveyard where he, uh, they have to ask the the resurrected corpses five questions before they can go back to having their eternal rest um, Chris Pine at one point gets stuck on a guy because he can't answer all of his questions directly so he's like what's four plus four he's like, I'm not good at math. <laughs> And the, the the dad just like ha, 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 joke. He can't do math. <laughs> like, oh my god, that is the fucking joke. Shut up. So you 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 had asked like, is this a campaign? Blah blah. blah. That graveyard scene has happened. The whole like, you have five questions. So um, when my cleric in uh, my three point five game finally got that spell, we did use it. So they're playing it off that they can do a full narration thing. It's more like yes and no questions and like simple statements. Okay. Um, at least in, I think in three four five, that's how that works. There's there's different versions for every game how that spell works, but we've had that happen where it's like okay, I use all my five questions. Crap, I need to raise another body. Or you ask the five, you know, you ask the questions, but they didn't see anything. Like okay, who killed you? I don't know. I was stabbed in the back. Shit. <laughs> okay. Was there anyone else around? <laughs> yes, man in green jacket, blah 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 blah. Okay, what what species were they? Elf. Okay, good. we're looking for elf in a green jacket. <laughs> you know, 
they saw something. You know, <laughs> so go ask somebody else. Um, so yeah. So we learned in our game, we learned when we're using that spell that our characters have to think ahead of time. What are our questions? What is the order? If the answer is this, we will swap out a question <laughs> because we can't be sitting around going, does anyone else have any questions? Oh, damn it. <laughs> yeah. If they hear the question, then that yeah. counts apparently. Yeah. So no, that, that was fun. Yeah. So for me, I guess the question is, did this work for you? Are you interested in a, a second movie and B <laughs> actually carving out a three hours and playing D and D sometime? <laughs> A, yes, B, no. Ah, damn it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I just, I do not have the time. And uh, I know I've got the the Ted Lasso thing that I'm doing with Joey for the next 10 more weeks, I think. Yeah. And now Ricky also wants to create a side project. And (gasps) so. Spoilers. What is the side project? (laughs) Yeah. We haven't settled on a name for it yet, but uh, it's going to be fun. Um. So I'm going to just leave it at that and tease it. But uh, okay. let's just let's just say I have a lot of um, books on my shelf now. Uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll leave it at that and we will start wrapping up. Uh, Alex, thanks so much for your time this morning. And also you're the one doing the edit for this week. So I appreciate your time on that as well. Please follow us on Twitter. You can follow me at Josh underscore scar. You can follow the podcast at talking smack pod. We are also on post hive and Facebook as well as YouTube, but YouTube is kind of just because we need a, I wanted to make sure we had the account. I would eventually like to start getting the let's plays, but obviously that's going to take time. Please join our discord. Alex, please tell everyone about our discord. Our Discord, we have many, many rooms in which you can join and converse with us, and sometimes we actually appear to talk with you. <laughs> you can also group up. There's, we have a variety of conversations going. I get pinged all day long. It's just a good time. And I will say, we should actually be using our Discord eventually to actually be playing games. There's a voice chat for a reason, Josh. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm, I'm down with that. I just got to find the time. Uh, you can email us at tsmackpod at gmail.com. You can find the link to our Discord in the episode description as well. Uh, thank you to Leo Allen for our musical themes and Beppo for for our original avatars, Retro Ale Studios for our Ricky avatar. Please like, subscribe, rate, review the podcast on your podcatcher of choice. And most importantly, Alex, who is running our theme music this week? Lauren Balfe, fresh off of Dungeons and & Dragons. <laughs> and um, apparently doing the Mission Impossible uh sequels too i did not realize that no they got rid of michael gmo cappuccino mm-hmm. apparently cappuccino is too busy doing horror movies for mcu <laughs> yeah okay well thanks again everyone for listening uh take care and play D. <gasps> <Yeah. laughs>